Life Christian Centre is a church located in the city of Adelaide. It is made up of people from different backgrounds and walks of life who have been transformed through a relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us online at www.life-church.com.au Well, it's a pleasure this morning to have Dr. Michael Gretschko uh, to minister the word with us today. Uh, Dr. Michael is the teaching pastor at Numa Church in Melbourne, a thriving church that is having a significant impact in Melbourne, in the nation, and also the nations of the world. Uh, He's a powerful powerful, uh, salvation testimony, saved under the ministry of Dr. Alan Meyer, and they continue to be uh, great friends. And if he's a friend of Alan, uh, Dr. Alan, he's a friend of us as a church. He's been involved in ministry for many, many years as a lead pastor, as a Bible college lecturer, as an executive pastor at Crossway Baptist. Has a passion for people to experience personal transformation as they study the scriptures. As they, as they study the Word of God. He's married to Sue, has two children, two grandchildren. He's a great man of God. I know you're going to be inspired today as he opens up the Word to us. Will you give him a great big Life Christian Center welcome as he comes to minister and to share the Word of God. Amen. Well, thank you very much for that wonderful, wonderful welcome. I I seem to be a wonderful man of God by that. (laughs) If I could only live up to that, I'm going to be a happy man. Well, it's really good to be here. What a wonderful time of worship. Um, I I understand you had Alamai here not too long ago. And uh, he's a character, isn't he? (laughs) Well, when he he baptised me, he cast demons out for 40 minutes. (laughs) So... They, you know, they say, just hold them down long enough until they repent. Well, they had to hold me long enough until the demons came out. And, but the, the power of God came upon me and transformed my life. And I'm very grateful for his wonderful grace and goodness. Amen? Amen. 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 It's good to be here. This is a, this is a good presence of God, good spirit in this house, isn't there? It's a good feel. You know, there's community, there's love, there's warmth, there's kindness, there's generosity. And it's good. Oh, hello. Up there. <laughs> You're up there. I've got to look down and up. Good to be here. Well, today I want to talk about resourcing the church to advance God's kingdom. Resourcing the church to advance God's kingdom. And if you want to byline under that, it, we're going to ask the question, what does the Bible say about the essential practice of tithing? So when I, I, my surname, Gretschko, is Russian. That's nothing to brag about nowadays, isn't it? Please don't stone me. I'm not for what's going on. Um, my great-great-grandparents came out during the Bolshevik Revolution because they were going to be executed. And so they came to Yugoslavia and then came out here when the communists started going to Yugoslavia. And so I was born here with my brother and sister. But I grew up attending the Russian Orthodox Church at least weekly until something happened when I was 10 and there was some um, dodgy stuff with money by one of the, one of the deacons or one of the stewards. And, and my dad got his uh, uh, knickers in a knot and uh, we became C&E Christians, not Church of England, but Christmas and Easter. And, uh, but I didn't know the Lord for the first 20 years of my life. But when we did go, being a little tacker... Uh, during, during the worship service, which I didn't understand because it was in an ancient Russian dialect and there was liturgies and all sorts of things going on. And, and, uh, but they, during the offering, they would bring out these big silver plates. 
Mum would give me a 10 or 20 cent coin and I'd do this. <laughs> and you could hear the clunk. So all the way through during the offering, clunk, 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 clunk. Most people are putting coins in there. And uh, then when I got saved under Alamai's ministry when he was a youth pastor, started going to church at that church. It was a Pentecostal church, thriving church. People, <clears throat> I wasn't looking. But people were pull, pulling wads of money. There was no EFT, push pay, pay by phone, anything back in that day. It was like 1979. And so people would bring out wads of money. And I, I, I wasn't looking. I just saw all around me and I'm thinking I was putting in two dollars and I thought I was being exceedingly generous two dollars and so I said to my life group leader during the week how come people are giving so much money I, I don't feel like I'm very generous he said it's not being generous it's called tithing I said what's tithing and he taught me the principle of tithing the word tithe means a tenth and so I'm going to explain from the scriptures, which is really not done very well in the church today. And we know it's not done very well today. They're taught very well today. And I'm not saying your pastor doesn't teach you well. I'm talking about generally in the Western church. Because <clears throat> 3 to 5% of Christians tithe. But it's something for all of us to do as a part of our discipleship. It's not just for some. And tithing is not generous giving. Tithe means one-tenth, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament. It's an old word. It just means one-tenth. And so 3 to 5% of Christians tithe when everyone's required to tithe. And I think most people don't understand what tithing is. So what is the tithe? The tithe is one-tenth of our personal or our business income. So if I'm, if I'm earning a salary, I pay a tenth of mine to the Lord. If I run a business, a tenth of my income in the business belongs to the Lord. began in the Old Testament and it's reaffirmed in the New Testament. So I want to take you through what the scriptures actually say and then perhaps wrestle with what do we do if we haven't been tithing? How do we make that adjustment? Well, when my life group leader told me, I just started tithing straight away. The first tenth is the Lord's and I just got to make do with, with the rest. And I've been a minister my, almost my whole adult life. And so... I've never been without. Now, never had a really huge salary, you know, never really have much to brag about, but I've never been without. The Lord has made my 90% go further than other people's 100%. And so what's the purpose of tithing? Let's begin there. So we need to understand that the church came out of Judaism, which was a Hebrew worship culture. And so we... We, we take our roots as the church out of the Hebrew culture and the Hebrew form of worship and the Hebrews word of God, which is in the Tanakh, which is our Old Testament, the Hebrew Bible. That's the Bible Jesus had. It wasn't the King James Version. Um, Jesus had the what we call our Old Testament, the Hebrew Tanakh. The apostles had the Tanakh and they taught out of that. So let's begin there. And we'll finish in the New Testament because a lot of people think, well, tithing's Old Testament, it's not for the church today. Well, it's both. It is in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. But let's begin there because we understand from the New Te Old Testament what it was for. So let's begin there. You with me? Yeah. I'm talking about money, so please don't hate me. <laughs> I'm just doing what the Bible teaches. And if you don't like what the Bible teaches, take it up with him. 
But don't run because you might end up like Jonah. And you know Jonah, you know what happened to Jonah? He had a whale at the time. <laughs> so you heard about the guy that said, bumped into his pastor during the week. He said, Pastor, this thing with Jonah you don't really believe. It's probably myth and just a story. He said, no, I believe it. He said, yeah, but you can't really believe three days, three nights in the belly of a whale, the bile, the, the lack of oxygen. You couldn't survive there. He said, I, tell you, I believe it, but I'll tell you what. When I get to heaven, I'll ask the Lord. He says, well, what if, what if Jonah doesn't make it? He says, well, then you ask him. <laughs> That's pretty fair, isn't it? So let's begin in the Old Testament. In Le- Leviticus 27, verses 30 to 33. Every tithe of the land, whether the seed of the land, fruit of the trees, is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. If a man wishes to redeem some of his tithe, keep it back, he must add a fifth of it. So add monetary value of one-fifth to that. And every tithe of the herds and the flocks, every tenth animal that passes under the herdsman's staff, shall be holy to the Lord. One shall not differentiate between good and bad, neither shall he make or substitute for it. If he does substitute for it, then both it and the substitute shall be holy and shall not be redeemed. In Deuteronomy 14, to 23, we read, now this is... Uh, Leviticus is, is a book of the law outlining for them how they are to live as the covenant people with God. The book of Deuteronomy was a retelling of the law. Deutero coming from, it's a Greek, Greek word coming from two words, deuteros and nomos, which means second law, it's the second giving of the law. So Moses expounded the law, which is Deuteronomy, just before they went into the promised land, just so they were uh, they were thinking afresh of their covenant relationship with, their, with God. And in verse 22, he says, You shall tithe all the yield of your seed that comes from the field by year. And before the Lord your God and in the place he will choose to make his name dwell there. And you shall eat the tithe of your grain, your wine, and your oil, and your firstborn, and the herd of the flock. You may learn to fear, that you may learn to fear the Lord your God. So the first thing we learn is that we bring our tithe to the Lord, not to the church, not to the house of God. It's collected there. But the tithe we bring to the Lord. So some, I've heard some people in, in churches say to their pastor, well, you know, I, I pay your salary, so you've got to do what we say. It's just wicked stuff. Well, actually, no, you don't pay the salary. You, well, with the tithe. When, yeah, but you tithe to the Lord. Tell him what to do. Try that. We don't tithe to the church. We don't tithe to the pastor. It's collected there, but we tithe to the Lord. The scripture says the tithe is holy. Holy. Holy is a designation of something that is consecrated. And it's consecrated because it was used in worship of Yahweh, of God, our God. So God himself was holy. The tabernacle, which was the house of God, was holy. The priests and Levites were holy. Their garments were holy. The sacrifices were holy. Everything that was put inside the tabernacle was holy. It was consecrated. It was set apart for worship. And the tithe is holy. It's sacred. It belongs to the Lord and it's holy. And bringing the tithe to the Lord is an act of worship. See, that they might learn to fear the Lord. To fear the Lord means 
to revere the Lord. It's reverence. It's worship. It's not to be scared of God. The reverence and the fear of the Lord is more scared to be sinful in the presence of a holy God. But it's not scared of God. The fear of the Lord is to worship God. So when people fear the Lord, they worship him. When they don't fear the Lord, they don't worship him. The tithe is an act of worship. In fact, um, when you're talking about raising hands, there's a Hebrew word, teruma, that designates tithes and offerings and things that were given to the house of God and to the priests and Levites specifically. And the word teruma means to lift up. As an act of worship, to, to elevate, to lift up. Now, you can't lift up every ten, tenth cow. If, you, if you're a, you've got cows and sheep, you can't lift all them up. But what it means is we offer our tithe to the Lord. We lift it up. And it's this picture. It belongs to you. So I'm paying it to you, Lord. It belongs to the Lord. It's holy because it's an act of worship. And worship is a holy act. We're holy because we worship. Our tithes are holy because they are used in worship of our great God. We read in Numbers, after they've entered the promised land, tithing is reaffirmed again. And in Numbers 18, we, wrote, we read, And the Lord said to Aaron, Aaron was the first high priest of the tribe of Levi. His sons, his family were the priests and the tribe of Levi, the entire tribe, were, well, we know them as the Levites. They were all servants in the house of the Lord. Lord said to Aaron, you shall have no inheritance in the land. So when Joshua led the children of Israel into the promised land, they divvied up the land. Uh, there were 12 tribes and 11 of them had portions of land distributed to them to own. It was part of the promise that God gave to Abraham. And 11 of them were given land. The priests were given no land because they were consecrated. They were set apart. They were not to go earn a living for themselves. They were not to go run a business to earn an income for themselves. Their job was to work in the house of God. And the tithes supported them. The Lord supported them with the tithe. Not the people. The Lord, because the people gave the tithes to the Lord. So it makes it very clear when you go into the promised land that Levi shall have no inheritance in their land. Neither shall they have any portion among them. I am your portion and your inheritance among the people of Israel. To the Levites I have given every tithe in Israel for an inheritance. Their inheritance, because they were forbidden from working, because they were called to serve... Their inheritance was the tithe that the Lord paid to them. You know, seeing how this works? They were not allowed to work because they were called. The call came and they were consecrated, which means separated, set apart from that which was common. And their work was holy and they were holy for that reason. So to Levites, I've given every tithe in Israel for an inheritance in return for their service that they do their service in the tent of meeting which was the tabernacle of Moses as we know it so that the people of Israel do not come near the tent of meeting lest they bear sin and die but the Levites shall do the service in the tent of meeting they shall bear their iniquity it shall be a perpetual statute throughout your generations and among the people of Israel 
that they have no inheritance. Those called to serve are called to serve in God's house. They're forbidden from working as a perpetual inheritance. They are to live off the tithes that the Lord gives to them. For the tithe of the people of Israel, which they, rep- they present as a contribution, this is this word teruma, they lift it up as an offering of worship to the Lord. I have given to the Levites for an inheritance. Therefore, I have said of them that they shall have no inheritance among the people. You know, when the scripture reinf- you know, says something over and over and over in the one passage, it's, it's reinforcing it. It's reinforcing so that they get it through their minds. You thought I was going to say something else. I heard you thinking that and I don't even read minds. Okay, I was going to say it. Moreover, you shall speak to and say to the Levites, when you take from the people of Israel the tithe that I have given you from them for your inheritance, you and your household may eat and the rest of it uh, anywhere. It is your wages for the tent of meeting, for serving in God's house. Now, I need some people to help me. But I'm going to point to you. Please don't think I'm rude. I just need you to come out. Just come out to the front. That would be enough. So, can I... Okay. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Could you just come out here, please? Just come out to the front and face the congregation. So these are the twelve sons of Jacob, the twelve tribes of Israel. All of Israel came from the just just all together, please. Just right in the middle, just come along a little bit further. The 12, this is Israel as a nation, represented by the heads of the clans, heads of the tribes. Is there 12? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Okay, somebody can't count. It was metric 12. You know. Is this 12 now? Okay. So I'm going to say, you are Aaron and the tribe of Levi. I want you to go stand over here because I'm separating you for the work in the house of the Lord. And because you're not going to get any land, I'm designating, I'm consecrating you. I'm forbidding you from receiving any inheritance in the land because I need you to serve in my house. And you can't do both. So these 11 tribes, you're going to pay one-tenth of all your income whether it's of the fruit of the trees or the crops that you plant or, the, or the, the herds of the cattle or the flock of sheep or goats. Whatever it is that you farm, and they're an agrarian culture, one-tenth of all of it you bring to the Lord, to the house of the Lord, and I'm going to use that to support the priests and the Levites so that my work in my house can continue because what they did was bring offerings to the Lord on behalf of the sins of the people and they taught the people the word of the Lord to maintain ritual purity and godliness and holiness so they can stay in covenant relationship with God so they can represent him in this world. Unfortunately, we know from the history of Israel they didn't do that. But the priests and Levites had a role to do because it's God's name out there that is supposed to be proclaimed. And this promise was given to Abraham, one of the three promises he said to Abraham, I'm going to give you land. Remember? 
Genesis 12, 1 to 3, land. They are now in the land, but you're not getting any. Because I need you to work the house of God so the people can walk with me, walk holy with me, stay holy with me and represent me in the world. I'm going to resource the house of God for the sake of God's kingdom. That's what the tithe was for. Does that make sense? Thank you very much for helping. It's just a visual for us to see. There were 12 tribes, 11 supported the one. And those who work in this house, in any church, bring their tithe to the Lord as a matter of discipleship. And we'll finish with that in a moment. And those who are separated are called to work in the house and the Lord pays them from the tithes. So the priests and Levites were consecrated. The workers in the house were not given land. The tithes were the inheritance. The tithes were the inheritance. And when they didn't tithe, they withheld the inheritance. When Israel withheld their tithe, they were robbing God. Malachi says that. It's a really strong word. So why, do they, why were they robbing God? Well, because it, the tithe belonged to him. That's why they just weren't being bad people. When they came back from 70 years in Babylon, their captivity in Babylon, they, they hadn't started tithing or they weren't tithing for intentional reasons or whatever reasons. But Malachi says, you're robbing God. And there's this Malachi 3, 8, 9, 10 there. Well, in what ways are we robbing God? In tithes and offerings. Tithes and teruma. They weren't giving to the Lord that which we, he required because it belonged to him. It wasn't just like free will offerings. We give offerings, but we pay tithes. Like you pay your bills, don't you? So you can't say, well, you know, you say the telephone company's, you know, $100 a month or whatever. I'm going to give him $10. <laughs> Electricity's $300 a month. I'll give him 5 That'd go down well, wouldn't it? That's what we do when we tip God. The first tithe belongs to him. In, in Deuteronomy 26, we read, When you have finished paying all the tithe, then you shall say before the Lord your God, I have removed the sacred portion of, of my house, from my house. I've removed it. I have not eaten of the tithe. I've not partaken. I've not kept it for myself. I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. I've done according to all that the Lord commanded me. Look down from heaven your holy habitation and bless your people. When the people tithe, God promised the blessing. Why? Because they were honouring him, worshipping him. The Levites and priests could do what they were called to do because they were able to be sustained and the house of God functioned in, in the place where God wanted it to be. And the people around were supposed to find out about God. But when they withheld their tithe, the priests and Levites had to go out and find work elsewhere and nothing happened in the house of God. And so the people's covenant relationship with God plummeted. So scripture says we are to remove the tithe from the house. You want a blessing from the Lord? Remove the tithe. Just get it out. Just remove it so you can't use it. You know, in Deuteronomy and Nehemiah says, You shall not neglect, in Deuteronomy 14 and Nehemiah 10, you shall not neglect the Levite. Now, Nehemiah was a leader after Babylon, their Babylonian captivity. He says, you shall not neglect the Levite. In what way? When they were not bringing their tithes, so they were neglecting the workers. 
And in Deuteronomy and in Nehemiah, we see the same thing. They were neglecting God's house. You neglect God's house, you neglect the Levites. You neglect the workers in the house, you neglect the house. It's God's house and God's house is holy. It's holy because it's used as the place of worship for him. So how do we know if tithing is for Christians today? Because this is Old Testament. Well, we're not under the law, are we? Well, how do we know what laws in the Old Testament still apply to us? Well, there's a, a basic principle that Jesus and the apostles used to interpret the Old Testament in light of Jesus' coming. And so we call it a, like a, a hermeneutical filter. Hermeneutics means interpretation. We want to interpret everything in the Old Testament. And Jesus himself said everything in the law, the prophets and the Psalms spoke about me. So everything was about Jesus. New Testament's about Jesus, Old Testament's about Jesus. He is the filter of everything. So when some laws from the Old Testament are passed through the event of Jesus' death and burial and resurrection and are reaffirmed in the New Testament, we know that it's for us. If other laws, now we're not under the law for relationship and covenant with God, but there are still laws that are reaffirmed in the New Testament. So if they are reaffirmed by Jesus and the apostles, then they're for us to live by. For example, in the Old Testament, you shall not murder. Is that reaffirmed in the New Testament? Yeah. In fact, it's a bit hard. If you hate someone in your heart, you're a murderer. Um, you shall not commit adultery. Have sexual relations with someone else's spouse. Is adultery allowed in the New Testament? No. In fact, even if you've thought it in your heart, you've committed it. So it's harder in some ways. So there are... There are many laws, so let's say, for example, sacrificing animals for sins. Pass it through Jesus' death, burial and resurrection. What does the New Testament say about that? Jesus has done that once for all. There is no more sacrifice for sin. So they're not reaffirmed. Um, that shall keep the Sabbath. We pass that through Jesus' death, burial and resurrection. And though the principle of the rest is still there, the Sabbath as a specific day of worship is neither here nor there. That's what Paul says in Colossians. So there are some laws that are obliterated and some are reaffirmed. So let's see about tithing, shall we? I know because it's, there's a lot of money at stake and, and, it's, and, and you think it's your money. <laughs> I think it's my money when, when, it, when it's not. So let's go to... Now, Jesus talked about tithing. Um, we, like he mentioned only a couple of times, we, we think, well, that's not enough. Jesus criticised the Pharisees for tithing even herbs and spices, but they neglected justice and mercy and love of God. So he said you should have done the justice and mercy and love of God without neglecting tithing. You should do that without neglecting the other, rather. So who were the Pharisees tithing to? They were tithing to the Lord to keep the synagogue going. The synagogue was the church in that day. We started in, in Leviticus... Exodus Leviticus with the tabernacle it went to the temple now we have the synagogue and now we have the church these are the four iterations of the house of God in the Bible the tabernacle the temple the synagogue the church they are all God's house and all of God's people are supposed to tithe in all of them to make it function so the workers in the house can do what God's called them to do now in the church 
We have shepherds, we have apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, equipped the saints to do the work of the ministry. We're not killing animals anymore for the forgiveness of sins. Jesus has done that. But we've got to teach them to remember their sins are forgiven. And there are other things that the workers in God's house do today to equip, strengthen, shepherd God's people so they can be a light to the world. Same thing. Because the promise to Abraham was that Abraham, through Abraham, all of the nations of the world would be blessed. Never happened through Israel. Because they walked away from that. But that promise is still there through his seed, Abraham's seed, who is Christ. And if we, are, if we believe in him, we are Abraham's seed. And heirs according to the promise. Well, not of the land, because we're not given land. But we are now God's people, and we are to represent him in the world. The kingdom... The keys of the kingdom are being taken from Israel and given to the church. So there's the tabernacle, the temple, the synagogue and the church all doing God's work in the house. And for some reason, they tithe in the tabernacle, they tithe in the temple, they tithe in the synagogue and most don't tithe in the church. It's almost probably because we don't understand it enough. And because we don't read the Old Testament very much, we don't understand the history of it. Now remember, Jesus was a Jew entrenched in Hebrew culture and theology. The, the apostles, they were Jews, they were entrenched in Hebrew culture and theology. When they came to Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost, they brought their tithe. The, Jew, the Christians, the early Christians, they all tithed because they were Jews. They understood that the house of God functions when they bring their tithe to the Lord and the Lord pays the workers in his house to tithe. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, Verse 3 to 14. This is my defence to those who would examine me. So there were issues. Some people in the church in Corinth had issues with Paul and his apostleship. Question whether he was really a true apostle. We do, not, do we not have the right to eat and drink? He's talking about his rights now. Do we not have the right to take along a believing wife? As do the other apostles and brothers of the Lord and Cephas. So as they're travelling, don't they have the right for their spouse to come with them and to receive support? The eat and drink is the, the food, the sustenance, the support. He said, or is it only Barnabas and I who have no right to refrain from working for a living? So Paul worked for a living as a tent maker. He, he had the right, but he didn't use the right because there were issues in the church in Corinth. But he, received, he received support from the Philippians, from the Thessalonians, but the Corinthians, some of them had issues. So he's explaining to them theology now. What they should have been practising, which he didn't receive from. So, who serves as a soldier at his own expense, he says? The answer is no one. Who plants a vineyard without eating of its fruit? The answer is no one. He's talking about soldiers, he's talking about farmers. Who tends to a flock without getting some of the milk? Again, the answer is no one. Do I say these things on human authority? So now these are not just Paul's ideas. Remember, you read the, the Apostle Paul's writing. He sometimes says, this is a command from the Lord or this is just what I'm saying, even though we understand now it's, he was inspired by the Holy Spirit. He's saying, am I saying this with human authority? Does not the law say the same? So Paul's talking to Christians now about the law. He's explaining something from the law that he's applying to them too. 
Even though some things don't, this does. For it is written in the law of Moses, you shall not muzzle an ox that treads out the grain. Is it for oxen that God is concerned? In other words, did he say this thing about oxen because God's concerned about oxen? No, he's talking about the workers. Does he not certainly speak for our sake, the workers in the house? And the the church was new, it was young, it was learning, it was shifting from Judaism to Christianity, it was moving from the old to the new. And so they were learning these things and he had to establish some of the things that were going to be strong to, to make the church strong, to make it function well. Does he not certainly speak for our sake? For it is written for our sake. So what was written in the law about tithing was written for the church's sake. Because the ploughman should plough in the hope and the thresher thresh in hope, he's talking about farmers, of sharing in the crop, in reaping the benefits. So those who work ought to be paid for their work. If we have sown spiritual things among you, is it too much if we reap material things from you? So saying we sow spiritual food, there's something we should receive as well. If others share this rightful claim, the other apostles that ministered there, do we not even more? Nevertheless, we have not made use of this right, but we endure anything rather than put an obstacle in the way of the gospel of Christ. And because some people were opposing Paul in the church, he didn't make use of the right because they didn't understand a lot of things, though he said they had the right. Do you not know that those who are employed in the temple service get their food from the temple? Who was employed in the temple service? The priests and the Levites. And the others tithed to the Lord and the Lord paid them. This is what Paul's talking to the church about. And those who serve at the altar share in the sacrificial offerings. That's the priests and the Levites. And then in verse 14 he says this, In the same way, in the same way the Lord commanded This is not like a suggestion for those who are generous. The Lord commanded those who proclaim the gospel should earn their living by the gospel. The workers in the house of God, the church, should earn their living in the same way the priests and Levites earned a living. Through the tithes. Through the tithes. That's challenging, isn't it? So what if I haven't been tithing? We'll just do what I did when my life group leader just start. Well, what if my budget can't make room for that? Well, it's a matter of discipleship. Tithing is a matter of discipleship. For example, are we commanded to love one another? Well, what if we decide not to love one another, or if someone's hard to love? Well, we've got to be committed to that. We don't get an option not to, do we? What if, are we commanded to forgive? Forgive others. If you don't forgive others, my Father in heaven won't forgive you. Well, sometimes it's hard to forgive. Oh, you bet it is. But we've got to be committed to it because there's no opt-out clause for forgiveness. It's a command because he's forgiven us, you see. So well, what about serving? About 20% of people, 10, 20% of people in any local congregation serve, but everybody's got spiritual gifts to serve. That's what the spiritual gifts are for, to serve one another. Do we get, do we get an opt-out clause? I don't really want to serve. Bible says serve one another. Everyone's got spiritual gifts. We are to serve. What about evangelize? Going to all the world, make disciples, preaching the gospel, reaching your friends, do the work of an evangelist, 
tell people about Jesus. That's our primary role in the world, isn't it? Do we get an opt-out clause? Well, it's not my ministry. It doesn't matter that it's not my ministry. Well, in fact, it is our ministry as a church. He's given us the ministry of reconciliation. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 to 21. Ministry of reconciling people to Christ through the gospel of Jesus. What about praying? Is it, are we commanded to pray? Yeah. Worship? Yes. Do, is there an opt-out clause? No. It's like tithing. There's no opt-out clause for tithing. This is for every single one of us. And I know right now this is a challenge for some of us for budgeting reasons or whatever other reasons. But let's make it about discipleship, not what I think, because it's in the Word of God and it is crystal clear in the Word of God. And we understand all the way through the Bible, it's to support the workers in the house because they are consecrated to serve. They can't do both. So, when we read what Jesus taught about discipleship, he said, you've You've got to hate your mother, brother, father, and sister, and everyone, or you can't be my disciple. Was he teaching hate? No. He was using a hyperbole, a, and he was exaggerating to make a point. And the point was, you have to love me more than everyone else, or you can't be my disciple. Why is that? Because if you love anybody or anything before me, you, that's idolatry. It's a biblical definition of idolatry. So you've got to love me more, because crowds were following him, but they weren't his disciples. This is, these are the rules now. You want to be my disciple, you've got to love me more than everyone else. And then he said, you've got to take up your cross daily and follow me. What does that mean? You've got to die to yourself. The only people ever told to take up their cross were criminals convicted of a crime, sentenced to death. They were literally to pick it up, carry it to the place where they're going to nail them to it until they died. So if you want to be a disciple of Jesus, you've got to die to yourself. Well, the only way not to love others more is to die to yourself. And then he says, you have to give up everything or you can't be my disciple. The word give up everything means renounce all your material possessions. Renounce. The word renounce in the Greek means say goodbye. Your money and your material possessions belong to him. Now, when Jesus was talking to his 12 disciples, he says, come and follow me, they actually had to say goodbye to everything. He's not calling us to physically give up everything and sort of, well, because he's not here, he's in heaven. Well, how do we follow Jesus without anything? He's not saying that. In our hearts, can't love money more than Jesus because that's idolatry. You know, covetousness is idolatry. Jesus said you can't serve God and mammon. can't serve God and money. You either love God or you love your money. And so when we bring our tithe to the Lord, we worship the Lord with our money. And if we don't do that, we worship our money. what Jesus taught but if we say goodbye when we become disciples it's his anyway but the tithe belongs to him we give him everything but that he only requires the tithe he requires he demands it it's a command and so we give it to him he pays the workers in the house so that there be no lack in the house of God so the house of God can do what the house is called to do and in doing this We resource the church to advance the kingdom of God. Does that make sense? If I could have the keys, I'd just like to pray for us all, if I I may. For some of us, I know this is a big challenge. When I started tithing, I was single. I had no responsibilities. It was easy to make that adjustment, and I made the adjustments along the way. For others, you've got families, you've got businesses, you've got 
bills to pay, and I know. So when, when Malachi said to the Israelites, you're robbing God, they had a thousand years of knowing this. And they rebelled intentionally. If we're just learning this, we're, we're full of God's grace and his love is toward us. There's no judgment and condemnation. But we have to let it go and offer it to him as worship. The first tithe belongs to him. The rest we can do as we want. Live a good life. Give offerings as offerings are brought to our attention so we can help meet the needs of other people. But it might mean we have to rework our budget. It might mean you might get some help budgeting or you, you need someone to pray with you to break that thing in your heart. But can you imagine the state of the church worldwide if everybody brought their tithe and the church could explode? Because it's about reaching people for the kingdom. God is only interested in one thing, reaching lost people. From Abraham, because of the fall in, in the Garden of Eden, from Abraham to today, God has had one intention, to reach lost people, reconcile them back through his people. So he sets aside workers to enable the people to do that, to shepherd the people, to keep the people focused, to teach the people, encourage the people, equip them so that we can go out and reach the world. And it's interesting, the things we do least in the church, in the Western church, are tithing and evangelism. And tithing supports the work so the church can be equipped to evangelize. We have to change our hearts, don't we? That's a challenge for us, I know. For some of us, I know you might be cringing. It might be the worst sermon you've ever heard in your life. And you hate me with all your guts. I get, I get that. I get that. You might be a single mum. Well, that's hard. Mind you, if you're on the pension, you're, that's not, from biblic, biblical teaching, you don't need to tithe off your pension. You can if you want to. Because you're not earning, you're receiving uh, assistance now in that, for that reason, whether it's old age or health or whatever. That's not a requirement. We, the church is supposed to help the needy, and if you're a needy because you can't work or you're aged or whatever, that's not a requirement. The rest of us, no opt-out clause. And so I'm going to pray that God just does something in our hearts. Would you, would you join with me? So that we can honour the Lord with the tithe and worship Him. Father, we pray together. As your holy people, worshipping our holy God. And we are grateful for everything that Jesus has done for us. And today, we worship. We worship when we come into the house and we praise you. And I pray, Father, teach us to worship with our tithes. Because it is holy and it belongs to you. Help us to remove it from the house and give it to you. And for those of us for whom this is a challenge right now, I pray for your grace. I pray for your wonderful spirit to mold and shape, massage the heart. Bring fresh revelation of your purposes in their lives and through their lives. That the workers in the house would not be neglected. That the house would not be neglected. And because you have called them aside, they can't go and earn a living. You require the rest of us to bring our tithe to you so that you have ample to pay them so that the house of God can be strong and healthy and through it purposes of God can be fulfilled in this world. 
For anyone struggling right now, I pray for your grace. For your spirit to encourage. If it's a challenge, take them on the journey. But help them to commit every part of their finances to Jesus and say goodbye. Renounce them. And help them to walk in all of the fullness of all the commands that you require. We need your help, Father, to forgive at times. We need your help, Father, to love at times. We need your help to say something about Jesus to our next-door neighbor at times. We need your help to bring our tithes to you now. Would you do something in our midst to enable us to worship you in this wonderful way? In Jesus' name. Father, I just thank you for your word this morning. And I, and I just pray that by the Holy Spirit of God that, that you would uh, speak to all of us uh, because it's actually a, a, a deep and a powerful word that's, that ultimately speaks about the condition of our hearts, Lord, our hearts towards you. And so, Lord, I pray, be glorified, Lord God. I thank you that this church is, a, is an amazingly generous church. But Lord, I know that... Um, um, Father, this is a message that has challenged many of us. And so, Lord, speak to us, I pray. Because ultimately, Lord God, we want to serve your purposes. Father, we want to obey the command that's going to the whole world. Preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. We live in a, in a nation, in a city that needs Jesus above all else. And, and we as Life Christian Center want to do our part. We want to give our time, uh, our finances, we, we want to give everything that we can to the cause of Jesus Christ and see people's lives changed, destinies changed, eternal destinies changed by the grace of God and for the glory of God. And this is our prayer today, and we ask it in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen, Amen. amen.